Hello and welcome to Instant Transmission, a podcast where we discuss everything Dragon Ball and why Saiyan Man might be the only decent disguise in the Dragon Ball universe. The action elbows, punches, and kicks its way into gear as we tackle the second half of the 22nd World Martial Arts Tournament. The big players are all that remain after several rounds of grueling fighting, so shed your training weights and get ready for the climactic end to this story arc. I'm your host, Dayton, and once again, I'm joined by my co-host, Todd. Hi! And I'm going to go ahead with my age-old disclaimer of this episode is the second half of a story arc, so if you haven't seen the first part, well, you've been warned. Was there anything else you wanted to add before we got things started, Todd? I don't think so. I'm just ready to get to the conclusion of this tournament. Oh, and boy, I... I'm not going to get ahead of myself. We're going to jump things off <laughs> with uh, episode 93, Evenly Matched, Ten Shinhan versus Jackie. And already the title of this episode is, ooh, it's good. It gave me goosebumps as soon as I saw it. Yeah, yeah. And this is kind of coming off of a a very one-sided fight with Goku versus Pompit. So I was excited to get to Tien versus Jackie Chun. Uh, we do have a little bit of fluff at the beginning of this episode that I think I kind of passed over before the fight. Was there anything that you had for that part, Dayton? Yeah, it's the the only thing I wanted to point out is that the 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 crane school, they are kind of focused on Goku. He's the target. And there's a little bit of them contemplating, you know, how they're going to deal with them, how strong he actually is. But then they realize that, well, hold on, Jackie Chun is actually up next and he's pretty powerful. So we're going to test his strength. And then there's some gag about, well, Jackie Chun, a.k.a. Master Roshi, um, being obsessed with boobs and it saves him from being snuck attack. I mean, that, that yeah, he's uh, or he's a master martial artist and just, you know, hit it behind boobs. Yes. Yes, that is exactly what. Well, <laughs> crane school thinks but the next match is about to begin and we get jackie chun and tn entering the arena and the way they build this up i thought was fantastic the music quiets and we get this slow rolling volume increase of the crowd's roar as they have this kind of like fade from into white of the doorway into the arena into the arena itself it's very well done and it really builds up the moment and just full points Full credit, slowing it down at this moment, I think, was such a tasteful thing to do to really kind of give the gravity of what what is about to happen. Yeah, I absolutely agree. They they're a little bit slow getting to the fight at the start. But once we actually get into the tournament arena, the presentation is on point. I, they quickly at that point take us into the fight with the announcer giving the go ahead and it's it's kind of just a standstill. It's a standoff where Roshi's not going to move. They both, Tien and Roshi, get into their combat stances. And with Roshi kind of just taking a defensive posture, Tien decides, I'm going to charge in and get this shit started. So he dives right into the fight. Roshi just kind of being on the defensive at the beginning. And I do love that. Krillin is kind of being cocky. I mean, like, oh yeah, Jackie Chun's got this. He's he's last time's champion. Like, this is this is gonna be a one-sided affair. And Goku, and this they do this a lot, but right here it really felt, I don't know, it drew my attention when Goku points out 
know this fight could go either way. These two are evenly matched. And it really shows kind of Goku's maturity and his his ability to assess, right? He's not thinking like a child anymore. He's really starting to think like a martial artist. Yeah, yeah. And it also, I mean, we're going to, we've got a bout between Goku and Krillin coming up, but this in itself is is showing the the levels of expertise that these guys are at because Krillin thinks, you know, Jackie Chun's got this, like Tien's a chump and Goku's like, Goku's taking the logical approach and he can see what their skill levels are at comparable to each other. Yeah, and Tien, like you said, he's going on the offensive and we see Roshi kind of blocking and deflecting the first few attacks and he actually moves in on Tien's guard and he does this kind of over-the-shoulder th- throw just... I mean, the whole thing is every attack is specifically animated and it just feels smooth and good. And it's kind of it's a joy to watch. I agree. It's it's neat to see also these two different styles where Tien is very almost angry and aggressive. And Roshi is taking more of a defensive poise as he kind of like redirects Tien's attacks and tosses him almost out of the ring. But Tien has a secret ace in the hole, much like Chaozu, and he can just levitate at will. Yeah, and uh, I I know that this is pretty much an omen of what's to come in the future. But right now, it seems really cool because the whole floating technique is kind of unique to the crane school. You know, them being birds, they can fly. And so it really adds this new dynamic to the fight. And this is, I think, how flight should have been handled going forward with Dragon Ball, because this is enjoyable to watch. Yeah, yeah, I can't argue with you there. It's it's neat to see flight used as a a unique technique and also not an overpowered one necessarily. I mean, these guys can only kind of move pretty slowly with their levitation right now. Yeah, they're but, kind of floating, right? Yeah, yeah. It's. I mean, it does keep them from getting thrown out of the ring which is pretty (laughs) pretty handy in the tournament but it's otherwise just a a bit of a trick so tn floats back into the arena and roshi and tn leap high into the air and they exchange this flurry of blows but once they land we see roshi kind of unleash this mirror image technique creating dozens of circling images around tn that kind of close in and then eventually unleash a flurry of blows that Tien just cannot guard against. Yeah, so Roshi's got a bit of an advantage here. However, as Roshi steps back into the mirror image, Tien starts tracking Roshi's movements and using his third eye. The third eye. Yeah, so it is functional. It actually does do something. (laughs) But Tien is able to track Roshi, figure out which image is the real Roshi and I keep saying Roshi we all know Jackie Chun is Roshi at this point but (laughs) uh, Tien is able to kick him right out of the mirror image technique yeah and it's at this point we see one of the trademarked moves of Dragon Ball which is Roshi decides to take his shirt off which means that he's serious now and this will always make me chuckle just a little bit 
I'm not going to lie. I love seeing these just two shirtless, burly men going at each other and beating each other up. I mean, even Roshi, they draw him more pumped up here, even though he's not in like beast mode, Roshi. I thought he was going to go into muscle form when he did that. I thought he was going to unleash the 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 abs, the the arms, the everything. Oh, yeah. Show those guns. <laughs> We do see Tien at this point kind of going on a ferocious offensive that Roshi just kind of calmly sees through it. He grapples Tien's arms and then strikes him with his knee hard. So we're kind of seeing the, once again, the the young, the kind of furious, reckless fighter versus the master whose movements are are minimal, direct, and pinpoint. And it's I love seeing Roshi portrayed in this way. Yeah, yeah, I agree. There's even a moment inside of this exchange where Tien grabs Roshi by the throat and almost begins to strangle him and then kind of drops him in a headlock onto the ground. It's just Tien's fighting here is shown to be very savage and visceral. But yeah, Roshi's, it's yeah, yeah. Roshi's is much more calculated, I guess, but... I think it kind of, I, th I think we kind of end in them just more or less beating the snot out of each other. There's no big cliffhanger or reveal at the end of this episode. Yeah, what we what we see at the end is that the the ferocity of Tien starts proving to be too much for even Roshi to deal with, and the two just start exchanging brutal blows. Each fighter landing just critical hits on each other. And by the end of the episode, you see just all these marks and bruises and just horrible damage that each fighter has done to each other. But they both stand on their feet and we get this internal monologue with Roshi at the very end where he says, face it, Roshi, there's a whole new crop of fighters coming up and I'll do my best to stand in their way. That's right. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's that is really fun. Roshi just he's going to stay there and he's going to fight until he's got no more fight left in him. And I love it. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. And that kind of wraps us up on that episode as we continue the fight in the next episode. Yes, which is episode 94, which is <clears throat> the Kanzenshu name is GGG, the new Tsuru Sen Technique Taioken. <laughs> I'm glad we could make this extra difficult on you, Dayton. <laughs> yes, uh... Maybe I should read ahead more. Um, but anyway, episode 94 <laughs> begins with the fight between Chun and Tien just continuing. And we see Tien leaping far into the air and he's using the sun as cover, actually using the environment to his, his advantage. And he attempts to do this kind of dive bomb attack on Roshi. But Roshi sees right through it and he's able to avoid the attack and just continue the exchange of blows. And I want to say that this little exchange at the start of this episode, the first half of it, I would say, the animation is just so just buttery smooth. The way every movement is just animated, the way that they there's there's no, I guess, blurred punches for the first part of this episode. Every single attack is animated and it is. Man, there's been a lot of good stuff in, in the 22nd tournament arc and. This is right up there with it. It's hard for me to pick out what is exceptional when there is so much that is exceptional. Yeah, most of this is animated pretty well. There's there's not a lot in this tournament even that is 
repeated animation or blurred punch lines. There's a few times, but I this fight is really well done. There's a moment here where Tien kicks Roshi after that exchange to the edge of the ring. Uh, Roshi just barely getting up in time to grab Tien, wrap Tien's arms underneath his own to prevent Tien from pushing him out of the ring. And they're they're kind of in a, a stalemate as they're kind of pushing against one another right at the edge. And Tien decides, I'm going to headbutt the shit out of this old man. <laughs> and like you said, it's kind of going towards the, uh, the savagery of Tien's combat style. He's going to do whatever it takes. Any brutal attack he can throw, he will throw. And we see these just repeated vicious headbutts into Roshi, who's, I mean, he's feeling them, but he's taking them like a champ. Yeah, I'm not going to lie. When I saw this happening, I was like, Tien has shown that he has a functional eye on his forehead. I feel like this would hurt <laughs> Tien far more than it would hurt Roshi. Jeez. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, he, well, if it did hurt, he probably would have seen it coming. Let's just put it that way. <laughs> but we see but, Roshi kind of lean back and start, I guess, fighting against Tien's grapple. And even he even starts beginning to lift Tien from the ground. And once Tien kind of loses control over the grapple, we see Roshi just thrust forward and deliver his own vicious blow. And he's able to break the grapple and kind of regain his footing inside the arena. Yeah, yeah, this is a good little turning point because I think it's about this point that Roshi starts a dialogue with Tien in the combat where he's berating Tien's rotten ethics. Uh, he says that he could help Tien kind of unlock his true potential if he gives up his evil ways, uh, kind of pushing Tien pushing his buttons he's he's trying to get he's trying to get a certain reaction out of tn rather than just beating tn and winning the fight yeah and all all this advice it i mean it there's truth to it right and so this eventually starts to enrage tn and he decides to get serious at this point and he unveils probably one of the most iconic moves in all of dragon ball this is the point where we get to see our very first solar flare. And I've got to say, I am not disappointed in it. <laughs> it's pretty awesome. It's really cool to see the origin of this technique, see, you know, the, the first person who uses it in TN and the, it, it's fun here because Roshi does not expect it either. Roshi is completely blindsided quite literally. And, it allows Tien to leap in behind the blinded Roshi and just clobber him in the back of the head with a savage knee. And Roshi's down and out for the count, or at least for a nine count. Yes, and Announcer Man was able to see this whole thing because he was wearing his cool Announcer Man shades. And so he jumps on the count. Roshi makes it back up just in time. And when Roshi recovers, he once again kind of starts giving advice to Tien. 
Tien questioning how he recovered so quickly and Roshi being like, look, such knowledge is beyond your reach until you leave your evil ways behind. You've allowed yourself to be led down a short and destructive path. You bow to a false master. Yeah. And, oh, that line just hits home for me. It's it's great. It's a great line. I I love Roshi. I mean, keeping this dialogue open, it's it's clear that the fight is not the important part to Roshi in this exchange. And as they kind of keep moving forward, uh, they it's kind of revealed or Tien starts to figure out uh, with Crane's help that, well, this is not, in fact, Jackie Chun, but it is Master Roshi. And then Tien, kind of throwing Roshi's words to the wayside, decides, I've got the perfect technique for you. And he pulls out the Kamehameha. Yes, and I can only imagine using a rival school's technique as being one of the biggest insults to that school. What a wild thing to do. Like, I I have so many questions. Like, did how did he learn it? Did he learn it from watching like Goku did? Did, did his master of the crane school teach it to him? Like, uh, uh, did... Has Crane been, you know, secretly practicing this technique as a way of like snubbing Roshi? I have so many questions. Yeah, it's something, man. I would love to know kind of the origins of that technique ending up in the Crane school hands. Because it's, if TN knows it, he probably learned it from Master Shen, right? And so where did he learn it from? Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I can only imagine that Master Shen had been like, spying on Roshi or had been practicing it in secret just because he wanted to use it against Roshi. Well, unlike Master Roshi's students who were taught to use it responsibly, Tien decides to use it irresponsibly, and he aims the Kamehameha wave at the crowd. And I think knowing that Roshi would have no choice but to get in the way of it. This is great. And I mean, this... I'm going to say this reminded me of Majin Vegeta in the Buu saga, but I mean, it's, it's a throwback the other way, right? Where Vegeta is kind of mimicking what Tien did here in this moment. But Roshi is, it takes it upon himself to defend the audience. And so he just plants himself ready to accept the blow catches it in his hands and with a struggle against the Kamehameha launches it up into the air with one of one of our first I think real beam deflections if I'm not mistaken I believe what was it last arc Tien did it against Yamcha when he held his fingers together and reflected it straight back at him oh yeah you're right yeah but I I think this is the first beam deflection that we've seen with just, I guess, bare hands. Because when Tien did it, it seemed like it was a technique or a move or something special. Whereas I think Roshi just raw handled it. And I can only imagine the amount of effort it took. Yeah, yeah. Tien's almost seemed more like, like you said, like a technique where he was using his key to reverse the Kamehameha. But yeah, Roshi just full on like muscled that shit and launched it up (laughs) into the air. But, um... This is where we get towards the end of the episode where 
we get a little bit more lecturing from from Master Roshi towards Tien, kind of advising him on how to correct his path. And before the battle can continue any further, Roshi calmly turns his back, walks away from Tien, and just steps out of the ring, making Tien the winner of this fight. Yeah, yeah. How did you how did you feel about this, Dayton? It's interesting to see Roshi just throw the fight. It's not like he was in a losing position. So for for me, if there was a character to do that, it would be Master Roshi, right? But this is one of those things where you put a pin in it and you go, I need to know the, exactly why he did that. Otherwise, I'm going to be upset. So it was one of those things where I had to kind of put my emotions on a shelf and wait to come back to them because I I need answers. I, I mean, I could make up 100 answers, but I need the answer. Yeah, and I think moving forward, we will get some answers. But yeah, it's it's hard to not want to see the true conclusion to this fight because the whole fight, is it's close. It's close back and forth. and. I mean, much like Goku said, it really could have gone either way. But again, Roshi's goal here is not to beat Tien. Roshi sees something in Tien that he's trying to uncover. He's trying to uh, dig it out of this mess of immorality and bad ethics. And so by leaving the arena... It looks like that's kind of his next step in doing so. Yeah, it's it's sending a message. It's just, it is Tien going to receive the message? And what message is Tien going to, I guess, get from it? But yeah, I mean, just like I think the viewers, Tien is kind of like, he's not really excited about winning. And he's more confused than anything else. Yeah, he's upset. And I mean, rightly so. He wanted to <laughs> basically show Roshi and show the turtle school that he's better than they are. <laughs> yes. But we end with Goku and Krillin being announced as the next fighters. And it, the only note I have here is that it seems like the passing of the torch from master to students has begun. This is to me, it seemed like master Roshi kind of getting out of the way and now it's up to them to flourish. Yeah, and I that's almost certainly part of the reason here, right? But I think that pretty much takes us into the next episode. Which is episode 95, Fight, Goku versus Krillin. And yeah, I'm I'm gonna go ahead and lead off with I think out of all the fights in the second half of the arc, this is probably one of the most poorly animated ones. And I think it's because Krillin and Goku's fight was not the focal point of this episode, even though it's the title of this episode, if you ask me anyway. It, it's funny because most of my notes, uh, I only have a couple of notes about the fight between Goku and Krillin. The rest of it <laughs> is the main focus here, which has to do with Tien and Roshi. Well, um, I tell you what, rather than going back and forth because it'll get confusing, how about you take us through Tien and then I'll take us through the Goku-Krillin fight. Sure. So we basically get to see Tien kind of contemplating why Roshi gave up, why he stepped out of the arena. And he thinks about Roshi trying to impart this knowledge on him 
Roshi's words won't leave his mind. And so Tien, after the fight is finished, Tien actually goes and finds Roshi because he wants answers. And so we actually get to see Roshi almost having a little bit of a eulogy for Jackie Chun, saying that he's kind of, it's almost like he's retiring Jackie Chun, like he doesn't need the persona anymore. There's this is... a lot of symbolism, I think, in it, where it's it's kind of like I just said, it's the passing of the torch sort of thing. He's him putting away Jackie Chun is kind of him hanging up the gloves. Exactly. Yeah. Jackie Chun was a persona that he created to prevent Goku and Krillin from winning the tournament in the, the previous years because he didn't want them to think that they were at the peak of martial arts. He didn't want them to lose that fire and that desire to improve. And so he continues to use it here as he tries to impart knowledge onto Tien. And he tells Tien that winning the tournament just fills a martial artist's ego and does them no good. And that's why his students of the turtle school will never win the tournament, which is, it's super interesting to hear him say that, but his point here is that he wants them to continue to learn and grow. And he actually tells Tien that he was looking for a replacement and he thinks that Tien is the perfect replacement for Jackie Chun, more or less, because he believes that Tien will make a good hero. And that's a, yeah. it, like, what it's, a wild word, right? Yeah, especially when he's speaking to somebody like Tien, who, gosh, probably his whole martial arts life has not done hardly any good, right? He's probably riddled with, with bad deeds and his, I mean, his master's only been teaching him to be probably a worse and worse person. And then to have Master Roshi, of all people, walk up and and tell him that the next generations of fighters is coming up and it could use a few heroes like Tien. And I can only imagine if you've had a thousand bad things said to you, the first nice thing probably just really stands out and echoes with you, especially if you have a conscious. And it's wild, especially as we move forward in this. I mean, even what we've seen up to this point, you get the impression, like you said, Master Shen of the Crane School is not the type of person to give someone praise or give them positive words of affirmation. But that's exactly what Roshi is doing here to Tien, to a person who has been nothing but shitty to him, has been nothing but a a mean evil human being i mean even trying to kill the audience but roshi's treating him with kindness here and it it says a lot about roshi it says a lot about what roshi's intent is here and tien gets defensive he pushes back against it tien says that he's a killer like tao and he he wants that identity he really puts a lot of value in that identity as being a killer and being, you know, a powerful murderer. But Roshi says that he'll never be as good as Tao because Tien has a conscience. Yeah. And, oh, it, this is easily the best part of, of this episode. And I mean, it's 
And it's something that we don't see enough of in Dragon Ball, which is actual character growth and development. We really get to see that internal struggle and turmoil in Tien as he tries to, I guess, figure out what what is the person he was told to be and who he actually is. And we see him just clenching up and just struggling, figuring out whether or not he's the person that he's been taught to be his whole life. Yeah. I mean, to your point, something that Dragon Ball Super really misses the mark on is that tournaments are not just there for fighting. That's not the reason we enjoy the tournament arcs. And I think Dragon Ball proves that point because every single tournament arc that we get in Dragon Ball up to this point, it's not a matter of, oh, these are cool fights. We want to see who wins. It's a matter of the story and the the character growth it's a matter of seeing goku like is he going to win the tournament or is he going to lose because you know we're we're worried about what he's going to become if he does win the tournament and then this tournament is about tien and is tien going to be a lost soul is is he going to be a killer and an evil person for the rest of his life or is roshi going to be able to help him change for the better moving forward yeah, and I mean, we we all knew what Krillin and Goku and Yamcha, what they were in the tournament for. We've had adventures with them. We know where they come from, and we have an idea of where they're going, especially if you've seen the future. But <laughs> at this point, you don't know where they're—you kind of know where they're going. But Tien is kind of this wild card. And whereas Yamcha, I think, was— kind of a bad guy, but mostly kind of childish and arrogant and, you know, not really evil. Tien is another step towards that evil category. As far as we've seen, he's been brutal. He, I mean, the way he broke Yamcha's leg, Yamcha's leg in the arena was brutal. And just everything that comes out of his mouth is pretty freaking evil. He's willing to torture animals to try and get out of, of, I don't know, being blamed for stuff he did. He's been a really bad guy up till this point. And so it's kind of shocking to see this conversation happen. Yeah. Yeah, it is. And kind of interspersed between this, we get to see snippets, like you said, Dayton, of going back and forth with the fight between Goku and Krillin. And it, it's it's funny to see that fight take the backstage because, like you said, that's that's not the focus of this episode. It's, it's Tien's growth and Roshi's... Uh, Roshi's attempt at being a mentor to yet another young martial artist. Yeah. And with, I guess with the fight happening in the background, it's not animated particularly well, and that's fine considering it's not the focal point. And it's also incredibly lighthearted with Krillin using like the reflection of the sun in his head to blind Goku for an attack. And then Krillin's in the air and he's kind of flat footed up there and he sucks in air to slow his fall to throw Goku off. Like it's, it's a really silly lighthearted fight. Yeah. And I mean, those are really the major points. We get to see a few minutes of Goku and Krillin having an exchange towards the tail end of this episode before it, it moves forward. I, I will say I, while it's not animated well, and there are kind of like a, a few goofy hijinks, the hijinks feel very Dragon Ball. They feel very appropriate to the the kind of fun, lighthearted tone that Dragon Ball sometimes has. And 
I think it feels appropriate for a fight between Goku and Krillin. It's it's much more of a friendly rivalry than it is trying to figure out who can bash each other's heads in better than the other guy. And they're both basically still kids, right? So it being kind of goofy and funny and childish makes sense because they're, well, kind of goofy and funny and childish characters. So this is exactly the fight it, I guess it should be. But yeah, it definitely took took the backseat to the the TN or the TN stuff um, this episode. And that's honestly, it's fine. I think we've seen Goku and Krillin fight a few times. I think everybody knows kind of where this fight's going to go. So but we'll we'll get there in episode 96. Which is (laughs) can it be Goku Krillin's great strategy? And it they've kind of played it off like Goku and Krillin are evenly matched at this point. That is until Goku cranks it up and uses a running Kamehameha wave to propel himself into Krillin, knocking him flat to the arena floor. And so Goku just dialed up the knob a little bit and just now, now Krillin's being completely outclassed like we're used to. Yeah, it's unfortunate. I mean, it's cool that they, they make them seem on par for a few seconds, but it, it turns into an exchange of blows. I will say the choreography here is actually good. It's, it's better animated than the last episode. Um, some of the hits look pretty clean. There's a few throws added in and that part's fun to watch. Uh, but we eventually get to Krillin starting a charging a Kamehameha and Goku being like, Hey, that's not going to work on me. I don't know what you're doing, <laughs> wasting your time. Um, but Krillin goes ahead with it and fires it off, creating at least a distraction of an explosion in Goku's hand as he blocks the Kamehameha. And then Krillin at this point has vanished. Yeah. And this is, I think what happens next is the whole entire point of this episode. Krillin is able to sneak around in Goku and grab his tail. Goku's age-old weakness, and something that really only Goku and a few others know about. And now the shoe is on the other foot, right? Right? He's got him, right? Well, Goku lays in the ground until the knockout count or whatever reaches nine. And uh, Goku just leaps to his feet, and he reveals that he's been working out his tail, and that does not work on him anymore. Yeah, and... I mean, I have mixed feelings about this. It, it's smart for Krillin to go for the tail. I know a few people, like, we get to see the audience, like, Bauman, a few of them say, like, ah, it's a little bit of a cheap trick. Like, ah, Krillin let go of his tail. But when you're in a fight, man, use whatever strategy you need to. I, I mean, you, if you know a person's weakness, why would you not use it in a lot of ways? But And it's not like Goku doesn't know that his tail is his weakness. It's up to Goku to protect it. The onus is on him. I very much agree. (laughs) And so it's interesting to see, like, good job, Krillin, smart strategy. And for Goku, the thing that I like about this, I think it's twofold, is that, one, in the last arc, Master Roshi and, I think, actually, Grandpa Gohan Uh, mentioned to Goku that his tail was his biggest weakness and it was always going to be a problem for him unless he did something about it. And so 
it's been three years and Goku did something about it. I like that he actually took that advice to heart and did something about it. It's also the second part of that. This has been a problem and a weakness for him for a while. And so as it gets used and used and used and used over and over, it feels gimmicky or it feels like, okay, here we go again. They grab the kryptonite, right? He's Superman and oh no, kryptonite. (laughs) Yeah. And so I, I don't mind that. My only complaint, though, is that we had an entire Goku training arc, and this was not mentioned in it once leading up to this tournament. And so it feels if we would have gone through that training with him, I think I would have been much more accepting of it. But it just really kind of felt like a, oh, yeah, that doesn't work anymore. All right. (laughs) I would have loved to have seen it. Like, how do you how do you train that? Oh, swings around with monkeys. Okay. (laughs) Yeah, they kind of showed us a montage of how he trained it. It's an interesting, like, they really could have gone either way. They either could have taken us on that journey with him, or they could do what they did here, which I think the reason that they don't take us on that journey with him is so that they can have that kind of, like, gotcha moment for the audience, where the audience is like, oh, no, Krillin's got the upper hand. And then Goku's like, just kidding. (laughs) Yeah, we, I mean, there's a few of those just in this story arc, so it's, I don't know. I would have liked to have seen it, and like I said, we had a whole training arc with Goku where we could have explored that, and maybe how he had to get creative to train his tail or something. It just, I don't like, I don't like off-screen stuff, especially when it comes to training, I guess, so unless it's maybe a character that you haven't seen in a while, and you're going to get revealed, like, the training that they've done sort of thing. Yeah, I can kind of see it go both ways because it, it it's sometimes fun to have those reveals in a fight uh, just so that you don't expect it. But I can also understand feeling a little bit cheated by not getting to go on that journey with the characters either. But either way, we basically get Goku being like, ah, my tail is not a weakness. Uh, and so... Krillin's in a pretty tight spot at this point. Uh, I think the fight turns on his head almost completely, such to the point where Goku ends up just vanishing in the arena. And, I mean, Krillin's looking around, the audience is looking around, and eventually Goku, in a flash, reveals himself, making a goofy face at Krillin. And we, as the audience, get to see Krillin just fall out of the arena (laughs) yeah it almost looks like he had jumped out of his skin but we actually get tn kind of revealing that goku in that one instance had launched several attacks including a, a pretty severe kick that actually launched krillin from the arena and so while the audience was dumbfounded as to what happened i'm sure Krillin was twice as dumbfounded because suddenly Goku's face appears and he's being launched from his feet. Yeah. And I was, I, I've watched Dragon Ball before. I didn't remember how this fight ended. And so when I saw the kind of like scare gag of Krillin getting knocked out of the arena, I was, I felt a little bit cheated because I mean, I know Krillin ends up being the butt of many jokes in Dragon Ball but I still wanted a a good resolution to this fight. The good thing is that at, at the very least, Tien's explanation not only is something that happens a lot later on in Dragon Ball and Dragon Ball Z, where, you know, 
the audience or normal people can't see exactly what happened. Uh, and so they need an explanation. But it also makes the the ending of the fight feel much more satisfying that Goku gave him. I think Tien even says it was eight punches and a kick that knocked him out of the arena. Yeah, I I mean, I Krillin's my favorite character, so I don't like this episode, but you know. <laughs> or I don't like, uh, yeah, it's... Because my thing is, Krillin's been training with Roshi and Yamcha this entire time. But for some reason, it seems like we don't we don't see any improvement out of him. And it just it feels bad. It feels like he's working really hard and not going anywhere. And I just I really don't like that. I'm so torn on it, man, because I mean, even Roshi in this episode makes a comment that. The award for most improved fighter should go to Krillin and. I mean, after we saw what Goku did to the Red Ribbon Army, for Krillin to even be able to keep up with Goku in some way is a big improvement. But I can also see the point where Krillin's kind of been behind Goku basically since day one. And I mean, honestly, we didn't even get to see any cool techniques outside of like blimp Krillin and then. I mean, I guess we got to see him be a little bit of a strategist with the Kamehameha distraction to grabbing the tail. But beyond that, that was about it. Yeah, we get to see some of the cleverness. Um, And I I mean, Goku's more powerful than Krillin. Hands down. No one's arguing with that. Um, I just would have liked to have seen just a little bit more fight out of Krillin or just, I don't know, to if Krillin can't match Goku on the on the strength front. Maybe we see some more of that creativity coming out of him. Maybe this is where he learns that I can't outmuscle some of these guys, so I got to learn to outthink them. And outside of the Kamehameha distraction to grab the tail, not really much there. It just Krillin was just a backdrop for the TN story arc until that was over. And now that's, I mean, I don't know. I wanted more. I like Krillin. I like a lot of these characters, and I know. When when Yamcha got knocked out, I thought his fight with Tien was actually really badass. I just wanted that for Krillin. Yeah, yeah, I mean, that's totally fair. I The interesting thing about this is, uh, well, one of the other points is that Krillin did get the opportunity to beat one of the Crane School's main students in Chaozu. So I think they almost give Krillin that as like a consolation prize. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's fair. They're like, all right, you got Chaozu, so just you don't get anything else. Be happy, yeah. Krillin fans. Yeah. They're like, well, we know you're not going to beat Goku, so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, I mean, it's fine. I don't. Not, I'm not saying Krillin should have won. I'm just saying there should have been more. I should have left that fight going, man, I, I at least I have some respect for Krillin. I, I did not leave the fight with that. That's fair. I I don't blame you there. I, I more or less felt the same way that you did about it. I, I would have liked to have seen more, but I mean, I was also happy that he he was stronger and kind of keeping up with Goku. Yeah, so I think... um. With Krillin ringed out and Goku moving on to the next round, that brings us to episode 97, the finals. Who is the world's greatest martial artist? And the crowd is flooding in. Everyone's hyped. 
we're about ready to get to the the main event. The main course is about to begin. The fight between Goku and Tian Shinhan. Yeah. Unfortunately, I'm not going to lie. The first half of this episode is fluff. And that's all I put in my notes for the first half. <laughs> yes. About the only important piece of fluff is that Tian is still struggling with that with the inner turmoil, with the the lecture and words from Master Roshi kind of echoing in his head, and he's kind of questioning who he is. Yeah, that was that was my only note about the fluff there, is that he's he's meditating and he's trying not to give in to Roshi's words, and he's thinking specifically about Tao and avenging the death of mercenary Tao. And yes. And to the fight. Yeah, uh, the fighters ready themselves and they enter the arena. And we get the, which I thought, I thought this was kind of cool. Announcer man kind of recounts the feats of both fighters, kind of giving us a quick recap. And I thought that was super fun. Yeah, I love the announcer for the the tournaments. And yeah, it's also cool to hear about their their accomplishments because, I mean, Tien just beat, I mean, beat yeah. uh, the the previous martial arts world champion and and goku almost won the previous time so it's it could be a good fight so this match actually begins kind of on a different foot than i'm used to when this match begins we get goku launching the initial barrage and typically it's usually the bad guy who comes at the good guy right and i i made note of that because that doesn't usually happen and we see Tien getting kind of knocked back and up into the air. And it's, I mean, it's a brutal fight right at the start. And it seems like it's going to be a one-sided affair, right? So I want to note too, that the animation at the very start of this fight was a huge improvement, like a big notch up from the animation in the previous fight or the previous episode. Like, holy wow <laughs> the the dynamic perspectives that you get of goku dashing in and then goku using his tail to wrap around and dodge one of tn's attacks and then like uppercutting tn up into the air it was really well done really cool yeah the sequence is fantastic tn's knocked into the air we see goku kind of leaping up and going to to strike a blow and tn kind of snaps into form and we see him fire off a Dodon Ray and it lands and it hits hard. And Goku is just sent plummeting into the arena floor, kind of cratering into it. And they are not wasting time with this fight. And I freaking love it. Yeah. Yeah. It is awesome. I mean, a few people are like, oh no, the fight's over quick. But obviously, Goku lifts himself out of the rubble, uh, more or less unscathed. Oh, I forgot. There's even a panning shot during the the sequence where they're kind of moving around Tien as he's fighting with Goku. And it just it looked really good. Sorry, I had to come back to that for just a second more. No, totally fine. I I really like what they did with the animation for this one. Uh, There's I think as Goku kind of regains his footing, he uses his speed once more to vanish, similar to what he did in the fight with Krillin. Uh, however, Tien's eyes that we've already shown to be pretty handy in these sorts of situations, he's able to lock on to Goku, knock him out of his rapid movement, and pin him up against the wall with 
punch after punch after punch, just rapid fire pummeling Goku into the wall of the arena. And it, I mean, it almost seems like the fight is going to be over here and now as Goku's just taking it and not able to respond. Yeah. After pummeling Goku, Goku kind of falls down, kind of almost lifeless. And Tien picks up Goku just hanging there in his hands. And this is where the episode ends. About the last third of this episode was just amazing, beautifully animated fighting. And then the first two thirds were just some fluff stuff. But holy cow. Oh, my gosh. The everything in this last third was just amazing to watch. It was just eye candy. Yeah, that that fluff was like, I'm totally OK with this lead up because, wow, that fight is really good. <laughs> But uh, I, th I think that leads us right into the next episode, which is episode 98, A Secret Ability, the Haiku, Haiku, Haiku Ken versus Fighting Power. Mm-hmm. Konzenshu, thank you. Um, Yeah, and so we have Goku kind of battered and literally being held in the air by Tien. And it looks like Goku is on the brink of defeat at this point. And he's, Tien just tosses Goku into the air, and this is where Tien reveals his super secret awesome volleyball technique, where <laughs> Goku is just kind of knocked around like a volleyball and then eventually spiked into the arena floor. I mean, this is, it, it's goofy. It, it has Dragon Ball written all over it in terms of comedy, but it's also like a funny thing to see this fairly serious character in TN as our antagonist use such a silly technique as the volleyball technique. Do you want to know what it reminded me of? What's that? A Namek where Frieza puts Goku into that ball prison and starts just knocking him around. It made me think of that instantly. Specifically from uh, Dragon Ball Abridge where they add the pinball noises. <laughs> Yeah, that's fair. I mean, uh, it's weird because that that scene to me with Frieza still feels like super sinister and is is almost like torment and torturing Goku. Whereas this still has kind of like a, a silly, goofy tone to it. <laughs> like Tien's trying to be serious, but it, it's not coming off that way. <laughs> Even the way he's drawn, like they draw his eyes all like these goofy, like upward U shapes, and it's just silly. Oh, that's fair. That's fair. I mean, I if maybe they're trying to point towards Tien's trying really hard to be evil, but you know, <laughs> right? Got that little uh, soft underbelly. But after being spiked into the arena floor, Goku's lying there, just kind of lifeless. And then we see just after a few moments of him laying there, just color just kind of flood back into his face and he jumps back to his feet. And at this point, it seems like our, our little warrior has been holding back this entire time. Who knew this never happens in Dragon Ball? Yeah, go figure. Right. I mean, this is <laughs> this is setting up the trope, right? I, we've seen it a few times in Dragon Ball already, but. At least in the dub, Goku goes so far as to say that he calls this his battle power and he increases it when he feels like he can actually be serious. And now it's time to be serious. I mean, I will say this is a core piece of Dragon Ball, this idea right here to 
hold back and fight like a doofus until you need to power up. Yeah. And I mean, it's, you know, it, like you said, this, this lasts through Dragon Ball, Dragon Ball Z, Dragon Ball Super, but uh, there, I guess there's some justification behind it where, you know, once you get to a certain level of power, you have to hold back sometimes. I mean, they get to the point where they can destroy planets. And so I get it. And I think here it's, it's more about like, okay, I don't want to murder this person. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. It's, I don't know. I had a good laugh about it. And honestly, it didn't feel out of place. It felt like a dragon ball thing. I'm okay with it. Yeah, I, I agree. But Goku at this point starts putting a beating on TN uh, he knocks Tien up into the air and begins charging a Kamehameha. And you actually see as Tien's falling out of the sky, Goku bails on the Kamehameha and decides against it. And yeah, and this definitely at first I was, I was thinking, all right, is Tien like done? Is he knocked out and over with? And Goku just doesn't want to, you know, make team rocket blast off or something like that. And, I don't know, but Roshi pretty much corrects me pretty quickly after that when he points out that Goku stopped because TN would have dodged the attack and a lot of energy would have been wasted. That's experience. That's being a martial artist being put on full display right there. This is pretty cool. I I had a similar response to this initially because I was like, why is he stopping? And... I think uh, some people complain about Dragon Ball having too much exposition during the fighting, how it cuts away to people explaining what's going on. But I think it's important in this moment because otherwise we're just going to be kind of left wondering why Goku didn't take that attack, didn't take that what seemed like a prime opportunity. And so it's nice to hear not only the master tell us exactly what's going on, But also, like you said, get to hear that this is Goku learning as a martial artist. Yeah, and I don't know. I love watching these developments. I love seeing the difference between his second World Martial Arts Tournament and his first one, where he was, I don't know, he was a little bit more childish. He was a little bit more brute strength and silly. And we're kind of, I don't know, this whole tournament has felt like one not more serious than the first one. And the first one was great. And this one is, I mean, this one's every bit as good so far. Yeah, I think Dragon Ball as a series ratchets up the tone in terms of seriousness over time. We still got silly moments like the volleyball technique, but this is starting to show like we're we're moving towards more of a Dragon Ball Z sort of tone here. It's a lot of fun. I'm having fun with this. And I mean, the the way that they turn up the seriousness, it really fits because we're still dealing with kids, right? So it shouldn't it shouldn't be a hundred percent serious. And I don't know, just the pacing and the way they they tell the story. Goku being kind of an immature child has not really gotten in the way of anything during the story arc. Like everything seems to fit. Yeah, yeah, I agree. They kind of Continue the fight, engaging once again as Tien catches his feet underneath him. And they have a really cool mirror mirror image or after image exchange 
as I think Goku's the one who starts it off kind of doing the same thing that Roshi did against Tien at first. And so Tien is like, okay, I've got this third eye. Like, this is no big deal. Uh, Tien catches what we think is the real Goku, but ends up being another after image. And so Goku attacks Tien. Tien then after images. And I think, I think I lost the order in my head. (laughs) It's basically a long exchange of after images where Goku finally ends up coming out on top. Yeah. And it's, I mean, it's so much fun. And gosh, I feel like I've had moments like these happen in uh, the Tenkaichi Budokai video games where (laughs) you've got some after images stored up and then everything just goes crazy. I don't know. I just, I love this exchange because it's so freaking fun and it happens so fast too. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's really cool to watch. It's, it's fun to see the after image technique kind of get built upon and see two people who are very good at it. And yeah, we kind of move. Yeah, we see Tien kind of caught off guard, knocked down, and we see him pull himself up defiantly once again. And we get the second official solar flare of the Dragon Ball universe. Once again, animated very well, blinding light. It's awesome. Um, and during this solar flare, though, things are, end up a little bit differently. Under the cover of the solar flare, Tien charges in and goes to strike Goku with what should be kind of a blindsided match ending, I guess, punch to the face or gut or wherever. But Goku easily catches the punch and counter blows Tien kind of in a surprise move. And the way that they animate this, they kind of hide the fact until the very last second that Goku is wearing a pair of super cool shades that have protected him from the solar flare. Yeah, I mean, this is... It's neat. It's it's silly. It has the Dragon Ball comedy all over it. But it's it's showing again it's showing learning and growing and and paying attention to people's techniques goku was clearly thinking after watching the fight between jackie chun and tian like okay what can i do if he uses that technique against me and the answer is steal master roshi's shades they alluded to that though the first time they did it with the announcer man being able to see the whole thing because he was wearing sunglasses. So yep. they they laid the groundwork and they made the joke and or whatever you want to call it. I love it. I don't know. It, that's Dragon Ball humor 101. And I can't I can't get enough of that. I'm I'm totally fine with it. Like you said, they they gave us some foreshadowing and then they got the payoff. So if they put the work in, I'll, I'll give it I'll give it to them. But um, yeah, the. Battle is not over yet, though. Um, I don't know how many times these fighters are going to be knocked to the ground and, you know, <laughs> be counted seven, eight, nine seconds. But Tien gets back up. The battle continues to rage. And we see Goku. I'm sorry. We see some dialogue happening between Chaozu and Master Shen, where we see the master kind of getting mad and angry because he can kind of see the the revenge plot he had to kill Goku kind of slipping away from him and to get revenge for his brother. And so we see him starting to scheme something, and it all comes into play 
when we see Goku diving into the air in the midst of the battle and is frozen mid-flight. And I I love it. I love Crane's fighting dirty. Yeah. I mean, this gives Tien the edge. Tien's able to capitalize on Goku being frozen. And I think our episode more or less ends with Goku feeling like he's being cheated, like trying to figure out what's going on. And Tien just pummeling Goku. Yeah, the shoe's on the other foot at this point pretty, well, pretty heavily. And that does, that leads us in episode 99, Ten Shinhan's Anguish. I thought that was an interesting name for this episode. <laughs> yeah, it's it's pretty telling. Uh, while not being over-revealing like some of Dragon Ball's episode names, this is... It makes me want to know what's going to happen here. As we kind of dive back into the fight, we get to see more of Chaozu using his power to lock up Goku's body and Tien just going to town, getting in all these free blows. And Goku continues to say and express like, hey, you're cheating. I'm not, I'm tired of your dirty tricks. And Tien's like, I don't know what you're talking about. I'm just kicking your ass. Yeah, and we kind of, this happens a few times where where Goku goes in to fight and he gets frozen and Tien gets in these these brutal hits. And Goku's just continuing to get beat, unable to push through the foul play. And he gets knocked down hard and he's all but defeated. And you see Goku kind of reach out desperately towards Tien, trying to continue the fight, gritting his teeth as he says, you cheated me. And this time, Tien finally kind of listens to it. And he's starting to catch on that maybe Goku's not lying. Maybe something weird is happening. And he looks over at the crane school and he sees, you know, Chao Tzu and, and Master Chen sitting there. And he asks Chao Tzu, what, what's happening? What's going on? And Chao Tzu pretty much tells him, yeah, I, you know, I've been interfering with this fight. And this is where Master Chen kind of butts in and tells him, like he's doing it by my orders and I order you to kill this person and complete my revenge. And we see this kind of clashing personalities as TN is kind of unsure about this because he wants to beat Goku. He doesn't, he doesn't want to win this way though. Yeah. And as this conflict kind of comes to a head, TN tells Crane to buzz off. He says, I'm I'm not going to kill Goku. Uh, he doesn't. He basically says, if I kill Goku, I lose the match. I lose the tournament. And so Crane wants vengeance for his brother. He wants vengeance for Tao's death at Goku's hands. And so Crane commands Chaosu to freeze both Tien and Goku. And Crane makes it look like he's going to step in and take this into his own hands. And when Chaozu refuses, Crane grabs Chaozu and gets ready to murder him. Yeah, this got way real for a minute there. And I wasn't sure what direction this was going to go in. And I, I mean, this is so telling of the kind of, kind of tutelage that Chaozu and Tian were receiving under Master Shen, right? Like, this is the person that was teaching them how to be the people that they are. And it's all in full display, just how despicable. Because I think up till this point, the Crane School has just kind of seemed like, I don't know, like, 
sure they're kind of dicks, but they're 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 there's also kind of jokiness to it, and Master Shen is kind of funny and just you know him and Master Roshi are always kind of at odds, but this was serious. This was really serious. Yeah, this is this is a step in in more of a savage, visceral direction, and we kind of got to see that when Shen went out in his ninja costume trying to assassinate Goku in the middle of the night, but nothing came of it. But this is a step even beyond that, where he almost tries to kill one of his own students just for disobeying him. And this is where Roshi steps in. He sees this across the arena and he, in quick response fires off a kamehameha that launches full-on like you said dayton team rockets Master <laughs> Shen out into the air <laughs> don't worry though roshi just assures us that they are not or he's not dead he's probably just gonna be angry <laughs> i mean at least they got him out of the picture because this allows tien and goku now to continue their fight without any further interference from Master Shen or Chaozu. Yeah, and Tian even mentions that this fight is no longer about revenge for him, but it's for himself, and he needs to win the tournament. And so we see this different resolve in Tian, something that that we haven't seen before this. That's a totally different motivation, right? I mean, I guess not totally different, but the the main underlying principles behind his motivation have changed where he wants this for himself he wants to prove that he is a competent martial artist he doesn't want to belittle the other students or the other school in the turtle school necessarily he doesn't want to murder goku for killing mercenary tao he just wants to prove that he's a good fighter Right, he's he's going on his own ambition now versus that ambition that was instilled in him by Master Shen. Yeah, absolutely. And so we get a brief exchange here where Goku is just handing Tien his ass without Chaozu's interference. But Goku even expresses, why didn't you throw a punch? What are you doing? And Tien says... I was paying off a debt because as a result of Chaozu, I had an unfair advantage. And now that debt has been paid. I thought that was a classy move and I loved it. It really says a lot about Tien's character. I could not believe at this point how much, I guess, emotion or feeling I'm having towards Tien as a character, especially considering he's kind of thrown away in DBZ. So going back and watching all this stuff happen, I did not realize how complex of a character he was. He's really interesting. And I mean, it it's not only is him saying, hey, I was paying off a debt and rebalancing this fight. It, it's not only a way of us like to be enamored with him, but I think it's showing a huge change in character because the TN, gosh, the TN an hour ago would not have done this same thing. Like he, he cares about winning and he doesn't care how he does it, but this is a different TN that we're dealing with in this moment. Yeah. And we get towards the end of this episode and we see TN flexing his muscles and just kind of radiating energy. As he goes to unveil 
a new technique that we haven't seen before. And correct me if I'm wrong, but Chao Tzu says that this is the four witches technique. Yeah, that, that's what they call it in the dub. I, I'm i not sure the the Japanese name for it, but I the note that I put it down was just four arms. <laughs> so he whips out the, uh, he, he goes into Garo stance and yeah. we see two extra arms kind of emerge from his back. And it seems like this boss fight is about to head in a stage two as the episode ends. Yeah, yeah, it, it's... This is fun getting to see these new techniques being brought out. We get to see the solar flare. We get to see this four witches technique. We get to see the rolling roll technique. <laughs> right. Hey, I, I skipped over the uh, the hyper velocity technique. I, I had that in my notes, too. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, I, I love it. I love seeing new techniques and weird stuff. And I'm, it's a whole new adventure. And I'm I'm here for it. Yeah, me too. But I think that takes us to the next episode as we continue this fight. Yes, episode 100, Life or Death, A Last Resort. And we have Goku and Goro, I mean, Tien, squaring up. and Same thing. Same person. And they exchange some pleasantries before continuing their fight. And the extra set of arms is proving to be quite the handful, pun intended, for Goku as he's kind of pushed to the edge of the ring and he's eventually caught in a four-armed grapple where Tien has one hand on each of Goku's limbs and starts viciously headbutting Goku in his abdomen and Goku can't do anything. All of his limbs are tied up. This is this is wild. It it looks crazy. Like I I both think this is cool and ridiculous all at the same time, but I mean, Goku is basically being like drawn and quartered here. And then just <laughs> uh, uh, TN's just using his head as a battering ram. But Goku does have a countermeasure as he starts slapping TN across the face with his tail. I just have a note about how extra appendages are just making all the difference in this battle. <laughs> I, it's wild, but I mean... Goku even goes so far as to say, well, you got my arms and my legs, but you forgot about my tail. And, and he so... has been working it out. So I'm sure that thing slaps. That's right. <laughs> so but... using his tail, Goku's able to kind of beat back Tien and kind of break the grip. And this, this is an interesting fight. Goku makes mention that if he can't beat forearms, he'll try eight. And we see Goku kind of power up for a moment. And then we see... Goku unveil that he now has, well, eight arms. Um, yeah, kind of. Okay, they were actually kind of like after image techniques or something like that to make the arms kind of appear. It, it was an illusion, but it does make Tien kind of lower his guard for a minute and kind of let Goku get in a couple attacks. Yeah, it's more or less difficult for Tien to follow the attacks, which is an interesting idea to combat Tien's extra arms, but it basically turns into both of them getting knocked down. Uh, eventually, Goku ends up attacking Tien's knee and puts him in an ankle lock. And Goku's just got Tien at his mercy, but Tien reaches out with the extra arms kind of sticking out of his shoulders and grabs Goku by the neck and begins strangling him. So, yeah, we have kind of Tien being bent around like a pretzel and Goku being strangled. 
And it's kind of this uh, game of chicken as to who's going to let up first. And we do see that apparently Goku's pretzel hold was a little bit stronger than Tien's strangulation. And Tien lets go first, and he's in basically just a really rough spot. But not for very long. He's able to bend more and then kick Goku <laughs> off of him. Yeah, Tien basically lets his arms, his additional ones, disappear and then he starts doing a push-up, more or less. <laughs> uh, but between him pushing against the arena floor and just flexing his legs as hard as he can, he launches Goku into the wall. And uh, it kind of starts the fight up over again. And then Tien decides he's going to pull out one more wild technique that we have not seen before and he actually gives goku a warning to not get hit by this one yeah and chaosu and roshi are both kind of in panic over the unveiling of this technique they're roshi's telling goku to, to just get out of there to leave the arena chaosu's telling tien to not use it it could be dangerous to his life and this is where Tien kind of floats up into the air and we see energy starting to gather around him in his fists. And we see these arcs of lightning between his hands. And this is where he reveals that this attack is the tri-beam attack. And this attack will always have a spot burned into my brain from the Cell Saga. I oh. love this attack. Yeah, the moment when he uses it against Cell is unforgettable but it's really cool to see it unveiled in all of its glory here especially with how much reverence is given to the technique from both chaotsu and roshi and they they make a comment about it how it uses your life force and can even shorten your life and potentially even kill you if you use this technique yeah it's this attack is treated with a such a high level of seriousness just using it shortens your lifespan if it doesn't kill you and we get a brief moment of tn contemplating how much of his life force he should use or how much he would need to even defeat goku and the attack is fired and it goes off with this kind of orangey yellow flash of blinding light which slowly kind of engulfs the screen and then subsides to reveal a giant crater where the arena once was. This is an impressive attack, and goddamn, I loved it. I loved it. They did it justice. I feel like every time I see this attack, I love it. It's real cool. It, I forgot even that Roshi makes a comment that this attack is comparable to the Kamehameha, and then after it gets fired off, Roshi is like, oh man, I was a fool for even comparing this to the Kamehameha. This is way stronger. A little bit of an audio hiccup, but we're we're back to it. Uh, and I think that leads us right into episode 101, which is the martial arts tournament concludes. And then. And we get the the crowd kind of looking on to this crater in the arena. Actually, the crater is exactly arena size. So it is a pinpoint crater, which I thought was excellent. And Goku's gone. Everyone doesn't know what's going on. But we get Roshi claiming that he can still sense Goku's energy 
just that's so important. It's so, so important because that so pl- that little bit plays such a big role in the future of Dragon Ball. Yeah, this is excellent. And they basically are saying like, okay, well, if he's not down in the hole, the only other place that he could be is up in the sky. So they start looking up and sure enough, we kind of pan up. It looks like hundreds, thousands of feet into the air where Goku is just kind of like floating as he's leapt up out of the blast to save himself from getting destroyed like the arena. Yeah, and Goku's, you know, a mile in the air, like up in the clouds, and he's kind of plummeting back towards the arena. And Tien, who can fly, just kind of floats up next to Goku to have a little talk. And while they're falling through the air, Tien just kind of mentions that with the arena gone, Goku will lose when he touches the ground. And so the match is over. Tien's already won, and he's kind of laying all this out for Goku so that way he understands that you know, it's over. But it's Goku, and so he's defiant. And we see Goku's final gambit, which is a Kamehameha wave, which no one's shocked about that. But the thing that makes it really interesting is when he turns 180 from Tien and fires it in the other direction. (laughs) I'm not going to hit you with the blast. I'm going to hit you with my head that's launched like a rocket from the blast. (laughs) I don't know what your technique is, but it doesn't stop skulls. That's right. (laughs) And we've we've already determined that Goku's got the hardest head out of anybody on the planet. He absolutely does. And Tien gets the worst part of Goku's head as Goku just slams into him, just hitting Tien with, I mean, all the might that a Kamehameha can launch a man with. and. At this point, the attack hits home and both fighters begin to just plummet from the sky and whoever lands first loses. Yeah, and the the announcer says as much. The announcer is on top of this. He pulls out a capsule, gets a little plane. And I he love starts, that guy. Oh, he's so good. He starts flying over to uh, to do his job. He's there to see exactly the moment when these two fighters land and see who hits first and who is our winner. Yeah, and we see both of them, like, trying to control their fall a little bit, and Goku even tries to summon up enough energy for a second Kamehameha wave to slow his fall, but it turns out just all he had left was enough for a little bit of a spark, but it was just enough to kind of put him back in the race, and they're just careening towards the ground at this point, and at the last possible moment, uh, as they're kind of almost, like, gliding across the ground just controlling their fall goku hits a truck (laughs) i mean they are literally feet from the ground and because of goku's little kamehameha fart it's supposed to have slowed him down enough that he will hit behind tien but tien soars towards the ground in front of the truck the truck driving forward into Goku's path that bounces Goku off the truck and deflects him into the ground seconds before Tien hits the ground. So at this point, Tien Shinhan is the 22nd World Martial Arts Champion. Oh my gosh. (laughs) What a way to win it. Like, I mean, uh, there's this is wild because... 
Tien and Goku eventually get up here. The announcer determines Tien's the victor. The crowd goes wild, cheering for both Goku and Tien for such an amazing fight. But Tien himself even expresses that, Goku, had you not hit that truck, you would have won that fight. I mean, it's... Once again, it's it's showing Tien's character, his, I don't know, his advancement. It's Tien previously, a few episodes ago, Tien would have been gloating over Goku. He would have been moving in for the final blow sort of thing. And now he's being, I don't, like a good sport. <laughs> like he's being a good guy. Yeah, it's, it's a big change. And it's important. Like it, it, it doesn't feel like a total 180. It, it feels earned because Roshi has been working on TN over and over and over throughout this arc. And we're finally getting that payoff here. We're getting, I mean, TN, even though TN won. So this is, this is the perfect ending, honestly, because Goku didn't win, which was part of Roshi's plan because he still doesn't want Goku to feel like he is on the top of the mountain. Tien did win, but didn't feel like he won. It was like a technicality, right? Right. So, yeah. So, so Tien still is kind of like, okay, you know, Goku, I, I think Tien even says Goku was the stronger fighter. And so Tien feels like he has something to work towards still, or like he could learn something from Master Roshi because Master Roshi was Goku's teacher. And look what he did for Goku. I mean, Roshi's so good at being a master. He can mentor over people who aren't even his students. <laughs> He's incredible. Like, I know that there are a lot of people who do not like Master Roshi, especially because of his the way that he's interpreted in Dragon Ball Z and Dragon Ball Super. But his interpretation in Dragon Ball, even with the pervy stuff aside, is so good, so well done. Like, he is an incredible teacher, an incredible mentor, and he cares about the people that he's teaching. And like you said, it's it's not even just his students. It's it's people that he sees who are in a bad situation that he thinks that he can either help them or extract them from. Yeah. And we, we even get to see TN kind of go one step further. Not long after that, where everyone's kind of packing up and get, getting ready to, to leave. And TN approaches our, our group of heroes and he offers to split the prize money with Goku. He offers half the prize money and we, of course, Goku declines because he doesn't have any idea what to do with money. And so they come to the middle ground of Tien is going to buy everyone a meal before they all leave. And it's kind of, it's kind of a wholesome scene, right? Um, we see Tien kind of acknowledging who he was, and we see even Yamcha step in and kind of forgive Tien for the person he was. And so, I don't know, it's just all good vibes. It's We see Tien moving in the right direction, and we see our heroes kind of helping him along that path. Yeah, I mean, the the point of Yamcha showing up, I mean, with his leg still broken, the Tien broke just days earlier, and being willing to 
accepts Tien's apology, it, it shows growth for both characters in a big way. And I mean, the fact that they are able to to have this dinner with Tien and Chaozu is it's a big deal. I mean, this this is showing the fruit of Master Roshi's work in talking to Tien, in throwing that fight, in letting Goku kind of take the reins and letting these guys, like he said, the younger generation kind of fight it out. And that that's kind of this whole situation is the culmination of all of Master Roshi's work in trying to help Tien. Yeah, we get to see we we get to see closure to kind of Tien's internal struggle. We get to see his character kind of complete its circle. It's and it's really satisfying. It's it's a micro story, I would say, but it's a it's a damn good one. It, it's really fun to watch Tien kind of go from this manipulated, you know, uh, raised to be thug into somebody who's actually decently respectable and probably what he's going to have to go through to make up for all the, the bad deeds he's done up till this point. Right. Like the journey is definitely not over for him. Yeah. And that's an interesting point too, because Roshi even goes so far as to offer Tien to join the turtle school and join him on his little Island. And Tien turns the offer down though, because like you said, he still feels like he has a long way to go in changing as a person. He's got a lot to work on himself before he feels like he could let himself move forward with, you know, another martial arts master to create these, you know, bonds and potentially friendships. Uh, and one thing that we kind of passed over that I kind of want to take a quick step back towards too, is that, when the audience is cheering for both Tien and Goku, a lot of the audiences, I mean, Tien won the championship. Tien is the world martial arts champion. So a lot of the audience is super excited for him. They, they didn't get to see what type of person he was, really. So they're just like, oh, you're the coolest. You're such a badass. You are super strong. And they're giving him all of this praise. And it comes back to like you and I were talking about Dayton, where Roshi, Roshi said that Tien would make a really great hero. And Tien is not used to hearing these sorts of positive words of affirmation. He's not used to people giving him praise. And I think that that's a really big, I mean, he's been changing this entire time, but that's also a really big turning point for him where he's like, you know, this kind of feels good to to have positive feedback from other people. Like, I wonder what I could do to, you know, either get more of that or to 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 pay that back to other people. He, he seems genu genuinely happy. He seems yeah. to genuinely enjoy the praise of the crowd. And yeah, I think that's kind of a I think that's it's affirming the direction he should go, I think, is what that is. It's kind of pointing out like this is this is a good path and there is something in it for you if you choose to go down it. And I think yeah. having Roshi's kind of message at the very end there for him during that moment, I think that's that's going to hit home. That's going to carry with him. But it does shift from the celebrations with the crowds and all the fun stuff to what should be more celebration and more fun when everyone arrives to grab a bite to eat just before they all say farewell and go in their own directions. And Goku realizes that, oh shoot, he forgot his 
four-star Dragon Ball and Power Pole back at the arena. And Krillin decides, hey, I know where they're at. Um, you just sit down and eat. Um, you had a tough fight. I'll take care of it. And Goku's like kind of unsure about it and just, you know, something's like, well, all right. And Krillin goes running off and Goku even stops Krillin for just a second. Like, you know, like he needs to say something, but he doesn't know what to say. So we see Krillin run off and everyone goes inside to grab food and everyone's waiting for Krillin to get back. And at some point they all decide to eat, except Goku, who's still sitting there, who decides, I'll, I'm going to wait for Krillin to get back before I eat anything. And after a little bit, there's kind of this this shattering moment inside of Goku's mind where something feels so insanely off that it compels him to leap out of his chair and run back to the arena. And this is where we find an unconscious announcer man and what we soon find out to be a dead Krillin on the arena floor. Yeah. Yeah, this is a big deal. This is... At least as far as the protagonists go, this is the first main character death that we've really seen in Dragon Ball. I mean, the the only other one that is coming to my mind is, I think, Upa. Uh, but he's he's not really, he's kind of like a side character. I think even you said, Dayton, that you you didn't feel connected or attached to to his death. Uh, but, but this is, I mean, we've been with Krillin throughout almost the entire show at this point and to f- just find him dead, to find Goku's, his best friend dead. What a way to end the episode. <laughs> yeah. And I don't know, like it's, if you want a cliffhanger, you got it. Cause I got nothing but a thousand questions at this point, but the only information we're given is that the monster came in, killed him, took the Dragon Ball, and a list of names. And that's all the information we're given about what happened. And that's it. That, that is the cliffhanger. That's what we are what we end on. Uh what did you what did you think about this, Dayton? I mean, I know obviously Krillin is your favorite character. How did you feel about seeing his his death here in this moment? I I don't know. I mean, it, it's it's kind of shocking. Um, I mean, they alluded to it. Well, that something bad was going to happen really hard when when Goku was, you know, thinking something's off, something's funny, something's weird. And even without the context of the next episode. It almost feels like it, it, he's not dead. Like, I'm not willing to believe it just yet sort of thing. Like, it's not sinking in. Or it's just like, oh, next episode, we're going to kick things off, and he's going to be fine. Yeah. And I, I mean, I know what we get moving forward here with this part. So I, don't. I don't. Yeah. <laughs> I don't want to say too much. I don't want to spoil it for you or for anybody else who hasn't necessarily watched it, but... This is, I mean, this is a big deal. This is a big turning point. We've kind of talked about tone for Dragon Ball, and we, we've expressed that it's, it's changing. It's ramping up. It's becoming more, more serious, more adult, maybe. And this is just another step in that direction. It's, it's not often that we deal with 
death in a very serious tone up to this point. Uh, again, Goku helping Upa at the bottom of Korin's tower. That was kind of like the the only other time that we've really dealt with it. We've kind of seen a few of the antagonists get killed, like Tao is another one. Like the fact that they give repercussions for Goku killing Tao is really good storytelling. I'm glad that they they put that in here. But we've not seen again, we've not seen one of the main protagonists die. And so this is huge. Like I mean, we we know, obviously, we know that the Dragon Balls exist. We know that there's the potential for the Dragon Balls to be used to resurrect people. So that's still on the table. But we know that whomever came here and killed Krillin is also collecting the Dragon Balls for something. So that's a little bit of a wrinkle in the plan there. And whoever killed Krillin must be pretty darn powerful. I mean, as far as regular people go, Krillin's a god amongst men, even at this point, even if he's not on the same level as Goku. So, and who is this person that took the time to brutally kill a child? <laughs> like, it's it's pretty nutty. Yeah, yeah, those are good points, too. Like, we literally just got done watching the World Martial Arts Tournament, which is supposed to determine the strongest person on the planet. And Krillin came in the, what, the top four? So I think, so. I think he was a quarterfinalist, yeah. Yeah. So who the heck comes in here and just savagely murders, you know, one of the, the top, potentially the top four strongest people on the planet? <laughs> yeah, it's insane. And I mean, my thing is, I want, I want to talk about it more, but this was honestly just kind of a very end of the episode, just drop. And yeah. so there's really no context. There's no, like I said, I don't even have an episode to see if there's like a funeral or eulogy or anything. I have no idea what to think right now. I'm kind of in the woods. I do want to point out because I know a lot of people with Dragon Ball Super have complained about the fact that it doesn't, it doesn't tie the story arcs together where like Dragon Ball Z in particular, like, the Saiyan saga leads into the Namek saga. The, the Namek saga has some connective tissue to the Cell saga. The Boo saga less so, but that's kind of its own thing. But this, this is a perfect tie-in where this is the end of the tournament saga of Tien's story. And at the very end of that episode, where we see the last fight, we already get our story beat, our cliffhanger, that is clearly going to lead to the next story arc, which is really well done. I mean, I'm I'm 100% hooked at this point. I want to know where this is going to go. I mean, Krillin's my main guy. What? Who did my main guy dirty? And how, how are we getting him back? Because I know he doesn't stay dead, but I don't know when or how he comes back. So I'm really, really interested to see how this goes. Yeah. And I mean, without giving too much away, Goku's dealing with the death of his best friend. So it's it's going to be interesting to see how Goku responds to that. Like, I mean, Goku's usually pretty happy-go-lucky, but we know that his friends are important to him. So 
it'll be fun to see how he reacts. I mean, it's also, it's kind of a a severe shift in, I guess, in tone when we we're just getting off the high of TN kind of coming around and being a good guy, big celebration dinner, and everyone's being friends and getting along. And then just, this is just so far from left field. I just, I mean, this just feels out of the blue. I don't, I don't know how else to describe it. I'm, I'm completely off guard. I don't really have an opinion because I don't know what to think yet. Yeah. I'm a little bit torn because I, based on like what you said, I like that we are kind of coming off of this, like feels good sort of TN is now kind of a good guy. Like he's had his redemption arc. And then thrown into the trauma that is the death of Krillin. Uh, I like that part of it. I will say I didn't like the presentation that much. I, I don't necessarily know what could have improved it better with presenting Krillin's death. Maybe maybe even the music or something different. Uh, or even just hearing Goku's like emotional response, which... I think we'll get more of in the next episode. So maybe they were saving it for that. Um, but it, it, it just didn't hit me as hard as I would have liked it to. I think maybe yeah. the next episode fixes. It almost felt bit. like a, Oh my gosh, Krillin's dead. And <laughs> yeah, uh, which is, it's a shame because it should be a really emotional moment, but it's more of just like a, a cliffhanger, which is good, but could be better. Yeah. Especially when, I mean, so many times in Dragon Ball, they show one of our heroes, quote unquote, defeated, and they're actually not. And so, like I said, I don't know what to think. I I need the next episode. This should have been something that they probably spent more time on to create the cliffhanger. I don't know. I kind of felt that way, too. It, it's weird because they clearly want this episode to end the story arc, but it's also clearly connective tissue and tying into the next story arc. And I know it's an emotional lead to like, get us to want to see the next episode and see what's going on. But I, I agree with you. I feel like, I feel like this needed another, even just another minute, two minutes to flesh out how Goku's feeling about this. Like, something to give us more emotion in this moment. I mean, even just cut the episode 30 seconds earlier with Goku kind of sensing something's wrong and just panicking and running out the door and Krillin's gone and end the episode there and then pick up and give us some, some morning time, some emotional time. This, That's... I don't know. I, like I said, I'm just bewildered at this point. Yeah, that's fair. That that may have been the better way to go about it because then the entire beginning of the next episode could have been Goku finding the body and just that emotional revelation, that emotional moment for the audience too, for us experiencing that with him. Absolutely. I just, it's a little bit too thrown at me without enough context or time. So I, like I said, I don't, I don't have a strong opinion right now because I don't know what the heck is going on. Yeah. Yeah. That's fair. I suppose that we can kind of double back and talk about the, this half of TN's story arc as a whole. Uh, what did you think about this part of the tournament, Dayton? I mean, the second half didn't disappoint. If, if the first half was build up and this is the payoff, 
it, it was worth it. We've had some of the most beautiful animation we've seen in all of Dragon Ball. Some of the sequences are so beautifully animated and put together. Um, and it's I I love the attention to every single punch or kick that's thrown when attacks actually hit. You can feel the weight of them. There's a little less flash and flare and more just attention to detail when it comes to the fights in Dragon Ball than in, say, Super or even at DBZ and a lot of times. I really do appreciate it. And somehow they were able to weave in storytelling into all of this fighting. I don't know. I This is one of my favorite story arcs I've, I've seen. So I'm I'm a huge fan of it. I had a lot of fun. And it's about freaking TN. Like, and it was good. Color yeah. me impressed. <laughs> Dragon Ball is not letting me down. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think that's, I mean, that's honestly why there are definitely like hardcore Dragon Ball fans out there who are fans of the entire franchise, but who believe that Dragon Ball, the original Dragon Ball is the, the best part of the series by far. And I mean, when we get story or story arcs like this one, it's kind of hard to argue with that. Like uh, Tien is a great antagonist with a excellent redemption story with Master Roshi. I mean, we, we've talked about it a lot as we've gone through, but with Master Roshi being an excellent mentor, an excellent caring human being and tying that into a tournament setting where we get these really cool fights, but the, the important part about the fights is the storytelling and the drama surrounding them rather than the fights themselves. Yeah. And then it's not like the world is at risk here, right? It's yeah. just, it's characters developing together. It's, it's, it's completely character driven. And so you're not strapped in and wondering, you know, is, is there going to be a tomorrow? Is the world going to be saved? It's just what's going to happen. How are these characters going to develop? How are they going to interact with each other? Who walks away from here? The winner and the loser. I'm, I mean, it's just, it's great storytelling. I honestly can't gush enough about this story arc. And it's, all it is, is just developing the world and our characters and giving us insight into their experiences. And just, it's really, it's somehow integrating humanity into what should just be a kick each other's butt show. And they do just a brilliant job of it. I don't know. Oh, I, yeah. I'm tied into it. I, I really like this. And like I said, there's nothing really at stake here, and I still really liked it. I agree with you. I mean, l let's talk about that for a minute. Like, what are the stakes here? The stakes really are, I mean, the if we want to get metaphysical, it's the soul of this young man. It's the the future of this young, budding martial artist and how he will handle himself and what his life will look like moving forward. Are so, you talking about Goku or Tian? I, I mean, I guess both, right? Like, that's a good <laughs> point. I I was talking about Tian in particular, but I mean, we could wrap Goku into that as well. I, I think the, the important part, like for Goku, this is kind of continuing the story that he started where Roshi didn't want him to win the tournament. So he kind of has a similar story arc here, even though he's had some growth beyond that. But this story arc focuses on Tien and and Roshi. Really, as much as Goku is our primary protagonist, he is the main character of the story, this story arc 
I don't think he's our main character. Yeah, it's I mean, it's it's TN focused, but I also didn't expect it to be because they kept building him up and all of his, his spotlight time up to this point was how bad he was and just kind of being villainous and kind of a dick at points. And then they somehow slow roll it into a character development kind of change of heart story that kind of comes out of left field. And it's just like, oh, Krillin and Goku are fighting. Actually, don't spend time on that. What's going on with this guy? <laughs> I am actually more interested in this. And yeah, it, man. I, it's kind of a bait and switch and it like it just works. And we've already seen a um a tournament of power, right? And so we've got kind of gotten that experience and we know what it's like to see Goku kind of try and fail and not hit that goal. And so we get a lot of the same, the same beats, the same footnotes, right? But they're assembled around a different character. And it's just, it's brilliantly written. I, I really can't say enough good things about how this story went. And this also feeds into, I mean, we need to spend more time on side characters, Dragon Ball. Like, why did you guys move away from this level of story writing? You can have other characters take the the main stage and have amazing stories that I think people would love. I was about to say that exact same thing, where it's it's such a bummer that we can have such great character writing for side characters like this that is kind of, in some ways, fallen by the wayside. I think the, the problem is that when Toriyama or Toyotaro or whomever's writing the story, they have an idea for this is a character. This is the journey that I want them to go on. And I have a start and I have a finish. And Tien is, this is, this is Tien like in this story arc right here, they introduced this character and he had a character arc where he basically got redeemed and that's the story. It's a great story. It's it's kind of self-contained, and that's what they've done with the character. But you can see after that moving forward, I mean, Tien gets a few more cameos here and there, but they don't know what to do with that character. No. Like, they've run their story arc, and now they're just kind of like, they're around, they hit things sometimes, but they don't do anything else. And, I mean, same can be said for, in some ways, I mean, to a lesser degree, uh, Piccolo, like uh, we'll we'll get to Piccolo in Dragon Ball moving forward, but Piccolo kind of has his redemption arc, and then they don't know what to do with him a lot of the times, especially in like Dragon Ball Super. Yeah, and I mean, got pretty much every character that's not named Vegeta or Goku is they they never seem to fulfill their entire potential. They always seem to fall short of what should be a good story in every story outside of their main one. Like Gohan after the the Cell Saga, yeah, yeah. kind of disappointing. <laughs> Gohan's a perfect example. Gohan had a great story, a great character arc from the Saiyan Saga to the end of the Cell Saga, and then they just didn't know what else to do with him. Mm -hmm. Like, and I get it. Like, you write a character's arc once they finish that arc, it's it's tough to figure out. Okay, what is their next arc, or how do they continue to grow or be relevant to the story? Uh, and that's that's hard to write, but I I wish that they would try. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm I'm at least glad we have these stories right now that we can still go back and re-experience and see kind of the the initial creative vision of some of these early characters. Because if I only really watch from DBZ on, and so 
characters like Tien and Yamcha were always kind of like entirely side characters, people who never really mattered that much. Yeah, sure, they probably had a cool moment or two, but they weren't really relevant. Having an entire, well, Yamcha's had some cool moments, but having an entire Tien like story arc that was really fleshed out and showed character growth and I don't know, this this was fantastic. Yeah, it, it's fun for me too to get to see you experience this kind of for the first time, Dayton, because I mean, for if somebody watches, if somebody doesn't watch the original Dragon Ball and sees like Dragon Ball Z, Dragon Ball Super, I mean, you literally think like, oh, this story does not care about its side characters <laughs> at all. <laughs> it's like, why are they here? Why is why is Triclops here? What's he doing? Yeah, what's the point, right? But <laughs> if you get to see their origins, they actually have they're they're really relevant. They have really cool story arcs. It's just later on that they kind of get sidelined. And I mean, it's it's one of the tropes that I guess have carried throughout all of Dragon Ball is just Goku and his friends, their ability to change people's hearts and minds to 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 be better people, right? And this was Tien Dot story. This was one of the eight oldest Dragon Ball tropes put on, I mean, put on the television or put on your screen and done very, very well very early on. So it gets full marks. This is one of my favorite uh, story arcs in Dragon Ball. Fantastic. Loved it. It's really well done. I'm I'm a huge fan of this story arc. And I mean, I, I, I could keep gushing about this, but I keep going on tangents <laughs> at this point, but... Did you have anything else that you wanted to discuss about this topic here, Dayton? No, we got to hurry up and end this. That way we can start watching episodes about what happens to Krillin. Get me the <laughs> hell out of here. All right. Well, with that in mind, that's it for this episode of Instant Transmission, where we discuss everything Dragon Ball. This has been your host, Todd. And Dayton. Be sure to join us next time as we track down Goku's four-star Dragon Ball, as well as this monster that murdered his best friend in the Demon King Piccolo arc. Wait, I think I know who murdered him. Uh, uh, no spoilers. <laughs> I, I think I figured it out. <laughs> so Goku's not going to let Krillin's death go unanswered, and neither is Dayton. What does this new threat want with the Dragon Balls? How would Shenron fare in a fight? What is Toriyama's favorite musical instrument? Ooh. Find out a next time. And to all our Dragon Ball fans out there, stay safe and remember to keep rocking the dragon. Are we ever going to revisit that rabbit on the moon? Yes.